Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here. Ryan? Why is Scott trapped in the screen? I put him there. He was a bad boy. And Scott? You know, right before we recorded this episode, I watched a video that explained what happened when you sink Dark Side of the Moon up to Parlblatt Mulcop 2. I kind of need to do this in my life. Oh, is that why you're in the screen? That's where my life is right now. <laughs> As he sips on wine from a cup. That's right. <laughs> That's what we've been missing from recording this whole time, guys. Drinking. Yeah. Uh, Scott is at home. The weather's a little frightful outside in this winter wonderland that it we call Atlanta, Georgia. No one let it snow. Yeah. Which is bullshit. I didn't want to get risk, you know, getting caught up in your world. Yeah. Um, literally, our, the weather here has no good goddamn decency to snow. It just is cold and wet. Oh, it will. You know it will. I hope it does. Well, by the end I of the year... I hope it doesn't, because I don't have much PTO. <laughs> <laughs> well, I work with the government. I don't have to worry about that. Go fuck yourself. Um, everyone, welcome to our relationship, everyone. I hope everyone's having a good time. All right, Ryan, how have you been? I'm great. I've got my new computer up and running, so I'm really enjoying playing Destiny 2, and I started playing Divinity Original Sin 2, and that's going to be a problem, because <laughs> that game gives you a lot of leeway on what you could do, and I like Uh-oh. doing all the stuff. And it's a pretty good role-playing game. Uh, I'm, I've, that's I've been on my short list for a while. I think that You may... don't have time. No. I'm going to tell you that you don't. Yeah, you it... don't have the time. Yep. Can, you, can you invest 40, 50 hours into a game right now? Nope. Nope. Okay, no game for this you. This is why I like <laughs> playing games like like the uh, Doom, just Doom, because it's like, oh, 15, 20 minutes, blow the crap out of demons, I'm one and done, I'm gone. Uh, and I do I'm love done. blowing demons. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely well, done. The hell right out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Uh, I, I've had a, a tumultuous couple of weeks uh, due to my trip to PAX Unplugged last weekend, uh, which was fun as all get out. Good. I think actually we're going to come back to that in a minute. But Absolutely. Um, what, I, I have plenty to say about it. Yeah. Um, News-wise, what's been going on? I know Chicago by Night is fully funded and ready to go. I backed it a little bit so I could get the preview stuff. As did I. Yeah, I, I, I backed it for the, with the book. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of interesting stuff. A lot of stuff that you can sort of cut and paste and, and uh, use in your city, even if you aren't doing Chicago proper there's a lot of lore sheets in that book yeah you told me about that yeah you should take a look at the lore sheets there's a lot of really interesting ones um, um question about that real quick white mm-hmm. wolf isn't producing that one it's onyx path right no yeah that's on that's onyx path cool yeah so that that is a book going to be produced and published by onyx path with the license from white wolf because they have gone to a more distributive model mm-hmm yeah, as previously mentioned on previous episodes, White Wolf has has rounded the corner that they were always planning on rounding uh, as far as the production of books. They're going to take a big step back from that and just do licensing. So, yeah. That could be really, really good. It could be not so good, depending on who gets the license. Eh, it'll probably turn out yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to bet that Onyx Path is going to get a lot of work out oh, of yeah. that particular arrangement. And I'm okay with uh, that. Which I have no problem with because I like Onyx Path work. Yep. Uh, speaking of Onyx Path, the backer PDFs, which are like the 99% done PDFs for Trinity Continuum and Aeon, uh, got released to Kickstarter backers. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been, I did a good scan through it. I checked out most, all the art that they've got for that. I looked at, uh, looked for some system tweaks. I noticed there were some tw- system tweaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll, uh, We'll have to have our our rules sharks scour. Yeah, I'm gonna need I'm to not, look through it. I was I'm not trying, one of those. Yeah, I was looking through that to see if there was anything I hadn't seen before, and by the by sheer dint of the layout itself, I'm able to understand a lot more of how that system works. Oh yeah, I uh, will, one thing uh, I noticed on uh, in character generation, they clarified uh, how how you get skill tricks. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, like it is, you basically have a purchase option, but they, but you start out with one free. Oh, cool. Okay, uh, so that's... we were right. Okay. Awesome. No, actually, cool. we weren't right because I was giving you a skill trick and every uh, a skill trick in every one when you hit three. Yeah. Uh, so I was being a bit overzealous with that. Um, but that works. I'm, I'm as long as they give you one, I'm cool with it. Yep. Oh, I see. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. Gotcha. You get one just for having a skill period, and then you get more of them as you get high, much as, higher as, in the skill as you buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you don't. Not. I mean, you have to buy them individually. Oh, okay. Um, uh, noted. But you get one for free, uh, which I think is a good a good middle way. Yeah. Um, um, the artwork is great. I I definitely remarked a lot about that. I've looked through all that artwork. It's it's got a good feel. They used a lot of older assets occasionally. They even mm-hmm. put older assets on the main cover, which I really appreciate. But then they added just a whole bunch of new stuff, really badass-looking portraits. And especially, yeah. uh, I love all the artwork and definitely the descriptions of all of the orders now. Oh, They're yeah. very they've, – they've, they've narrowed in on that feel very tightly, which I, gr- I love so, so much. I'll read it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> But you see, video games have my soul. Video so. games. No. It's Cursed okay. video games. Uh, what other news do we have from the RPG world? Uh, hmm. Well, we got our tickets for a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, that's right. As as uh, listeners from last time, uh, the three of us all got our tickets for the night in question next year. Yep. Uh, so we'll be going to that and. This time next year, we will certainly have ourselves a good old episode about that. We're going to have a talk. Yeah, it's going to be... You may actually get... I think for Patreon content, we may do a little bit of uh, on-the-road vlogging, uh, audio logging, uh, a-logging? Uh, anyways. I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, but we we'll should... be recording some of our comments on our way and our, probably our way back for patrons. Uh, we might want to consider having Murphy on as she will be having an experience that none of us are having. No, absolutely. Oh, that's very true. Oh, like, she, she went for that? Murphy's blood bag, man. Ooh. Ooh. She opted for blood bag. So I, I looked at the map, gentlemen, and it's not too terribly far out of the way to uh, take like a lunch break in New Orleans. Yes, please. We we'll, we're going to have to do some serious planning around this. We'll, do, we'll, we'll absolutely do some serious road trip planning. But hell, I would love to record like a, a polyhedron gets lunch in the French Quarter mm. episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can definitely try getting um, into New Orleans. Easy getting out of New Orleans. Oh yeah, the difficult. temptation is strong. I know we may run into God. I don't know. Uh, he'll don't uh, worry. He doesn't want to talk to you. He'll be in a dog suit. So <laughs> well, he's easy to spot, right? I, I did finish all of Preacher uh, the season. God damn it, that show. Isn't that, wasn't that gross? You know what I'm talking so about. Gross. That yeah, thing, I know what you're talking about. It's great. That was gross. But it's so gross. Uh, we can talk about that. I think we talked about it already on Patreon, but I have no problem yeah. talking more about oh, him, Preacher. So, I loved it, though. Yep. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much, uh, anything at least that I know of. Uh, Ryan, there was that one thing you wanted to say, Ryan. What? About that Kickstarter back. Oh, yeah, congratulations to whoever got their Kickstarter back this week. <laughs> we got to do it, man. We got to keep consistency. I don't think we fucked, I fucked that's it how, up already, That's how we man. get the butts in the seats and the, the ears. Oh, yeah, the, the, the buds in the ears, I the guess. The buds in the ears. There you go. I like it. But anyway, as as I mentioned, uh, I went to PAX Unplugged uh, this past weekend, and it was a really good time. Uh, it was a very, it was much more low-key than Dragon Con, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, obviously very narrowly focused on tabletop and role-playing games, which is, you know, what I'm all about. So, for people listening, that's what PAX Unplugged is. It's a PAX. That is the focus of the show. It's a PAX, which is a Penny Arcade Expo, uh, which is Penny Arcade's, you know, family of conventions. And this one is specifically for tabletop and role-playing games. And it was rad. Um, I got to see a couple of the panels that I wanted to see, which were mainly like the main Penny Arcade ones, and I saw Acquisitions Incorporated and the C-Team live, which both of those were incredibly awesome, uh, which the actual Ack Inc. show was, was – it was really cool. I can't tell whether I, I enjoyed it so much because I was physically there or because it was just a truly exceptional game. But either way, I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, you know, it. energy some... really, really matters for a live event yeah. like that, and having I mean, the crowd energy. Mm-hmm, which is absolutely. weird to say for the role-playing game event, but yeah. it's still well, a thing. Well, I mean, they, they really make a show of it. Like, somebody somebody who I was speaking to in line, because, you know, when you're in line, you meet new friends. You make line friends, uh, yes. 
indeed, uh, mentioned something that was really astute is that the acting shows, like the, the, those shows are actually comedy shows. It's just the framework around the comedy show. It's like an improv show. Yeah. But it's, it's around D&D. But when you have funny people in every seat at that table, it's just, it's like a big sketch comedy show. And it was really funny. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, that's, that's what Botch does basically. They're a comedy, the improv comedy troupe around the skeleton of D&D. That's, that's what so, they use as the, uh, uh, the exciting action, as it were. That was really cool. Uh, I had some really good food because they have like a big indoor farmer's market right next to the convention center. Ooh. Uh, best donuts I've ever had in my life. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm actually, nuts. it's a problem because I'm thinking about them. Oh, no. And I want them. And you can't get them. I can't get them. They're far. Far. They're very far. <laughs> very um, far. But anyway, yeah, so I played a bunch of games. Uh, I played a lot. I hung out a lot in the open uh, gaming area and just played a bunch of games with a bunch of random jackals. Uh, what was your uh, one of your more interesting ones that you encountered? Well, I brought my own copy of Secret Hitler, uh, and I had a good, like, couple hours, couple rounds of games with, like, just pure randos. Uh, and that was really fun because they, a lot of them hadn't played the game before. So like the first cup, first couple rounds were, were pretty, pretty like getting them used to it. And then everyone just like fell into step and we added more players to it as we kept going. Um, and it was just really engaging and really fun. Cool. Um, and you know, I, I, I just played a, like some demos and whatnot and, and a lot of them were really fun. I didn't buy anything because I'm poor hmm. and you know, the trip, the trip alone was, ex- was an expense, but I had a lot of fun with a lot of people. Yeah, I um, I know from Twitter that a lot of people went to PAX Unplugged because it's also it's a big it's become a big sort of industry con where they all get up and meet meet mm-hmm. each other and talk to each other and face to face. And I uh, I spoke with uh, uh, Danny uh, from Onyx Path that we mm. had spoken to previously. I had a good 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 quick conversation with her at the Onyx Path booth, which was really fun. Just talking about story path system and Trinity, Trinity universe and all that good stuff. And it was a real fun conversation. White Wolf wasn't there. Hmm. Uh, which was, uh, understandable given recent uh, happenings, mm-hmm. uh, but still they didn't have people to man the booth. Uh, that's true. Uh, it, it was actually, there was literally just an empty spot where they were, where they were supposed oh, to be. So I guess oh. they were, fa- yeah. they were going to be, but then they pulled they out. They were, they were absolutely going to be, uh, they were, you know, on the, on the schedule. They had like a, they had one of the bigger booths set up, but oh they my God. were not there. My uh, goodness. So that was kind of, kind of sad to see actually. Yep. I was a little disappointed. Um, but it was still cool to hang out. Um, uh, I, uh, I spoke very briefly with, uh, Jerry Holkins, uh, of Penny Arcade, uh, who runs the C team and is, you know, I'm drawn from Acquisitions Incorporated, had a really interesting, but very short conversation with him, uh, and also sort of was around while he was talking to people and just heard some very interesting things that he said, including one of the most interesting things that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Oh, I'm all uh, ears. Is something that is coming up, uh, on the pike, pipe. For their what they're doing, which if you've been up keeping up with Penny Arcade, the comic any, they've had this like weird obsession with this idea that they randomly had called D Sports, mm-hmm. uh, which which is basically like fantasy football like party like D and D parties, like people rooting for various teams, and and they really got in their own head about it, and to the point where they actually have a plan to implement it, and the way they're going to do that. At least as far as Jerry was saying, was that he and, you know, some of the other guys are going to curate four, uh, DMs, uh, that they're going to select to run their own live stream campaigns, all set in the same world, uh, with set around the conceit of there is a grand tournament and a grand arena in this world where adventuring parties come to compete against one another. Um, in, you know, in organized mayhem. So these four campaigns are going to be the story of these four adventuring parties as they train and make their way to the arena to compete. So you're going to have these four games that you can watch and, you know, find which one is your favorite 
and then have people root for and cheer for. And then when we get to the arena, um, a neutral uh, DM is going to take over for the actual competition. Ooh, Um, and up up to a certain point, like all of the arenas are going to be death warded. But once you hit like semifinals on, the death wards come off. Neat. So we don't have the thing where, oh, we accidentally killed a character, uh, you know, before the season finale, basically. Yep. So it's when, when the finale comes and we've got the, 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 the two sides, then the stakes are high and we can actually have a, a full competition. I think that's really cool. I, I agree. Uh, you know, as you were saying it, I believe it was Dolores who told me about, uh, a D and D like skin that people would do. That is a lot like what you're describing, it, 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 but it's it was called X crawl. Yes, that. Yep. And you yeah, had corporate is... sponsorships and shit. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Grog it's locally nails. made. It's locally made. It was locally made. It um, was locally made by people who worked at Doctor Nose, maybe, or or Cray Escape, one yeah. of the two. Well, that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, and it's uh, that is much more of like a professional wrestling right uh, I gotcha. skin to it, but it's very similar concepts. Um, so I'm looking forward to them implementing that because that sounds cool. It, it, I like I like the idea of like becoming a sports fan for something that I actually care about. Actually, it reminds me a little bit of uh, medieval times. We get the root for the blue team, the white team, the red team, yeah, we do. the black we team, do. and we get to figure out who's who and what's what. Hey, uh, I'll I'll watch at the very least. I'll watch it. If not, if they have like an entry thing, I'll totally mm-hmm. do that too. It could be super rad. I might watch one, decide who I like, and then make sure it's one you guys don't like so I can talk mad shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We should all select a different team that we follow. Fair, and then fair. I ride a dot for the Kenkus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an entire exactly. team of Kenkus. <laughs> I ride and die for birds of a feather, motherfuckers. Because we flock together. <laughs> oh, so we can all get together with like beer and popcorn and pretzels for the final yep, and yep. yell at Who's each gonna other. Die? And... Who's going to die? Oh, That'll someone be, be a necromancer. Someone be a necromancer. Someone be a necromancer. Anyways. I don't know, man. There's four different there's gonna be four different tables to start with. And he said that if it catches on, they'll like expand it to, to a bigger league. <laughs> Do we have a bigger league? We have we have we have state sponsored teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't even need a stadium. You don't have to spend that much money no, on us. <laughs> you don't. You just have to have a nice little table and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. But I think that's a cool concept. I'm really glad that they're actually like putting rubber to road on that yeah well, that could be super fun it requires people of means and uh, with a base to mm-hmm. make these seismic shifts like indeed it does like yeah they've packs unplugged wouldn't be a thing without these guys and you know i guess if this i hope this catches on because that would be really fucking cool also i would like to be on one of those teams one day yeah i mean one day that would be really cool uh i doubt you know i who knows who knows how they're going to set that up nope. if they if they if, but hey, one day maybe Polyhedron can sponsor a uh, a, a D sports. Oh no team. no, we need to be uh we need to be announcers. We need to work on our announcer voices. <laughs> oh, that was a bad miss. Oh, and that's a bad miss. <laughs> we oh, have we our own a critical characters. fumble. <laughs> we're all Scottish for some reason. I don't know. We're dwarves. Uh, we're all we're, we have characters in the game, but we're all just announcers. <laughs> oh man! Well, I've already got my silky ass announcer voice ready to go, so you guys need to oh, get yes. ready. Oh yeah, chocolate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that was basically my packs. Uh, getting to and from was kind of a hell ride. Um, yeah, you told me to, you, get, to, you got delayed and stuff. Yeah, getting there, we had like a nine-hour delay on our train, uh, which sucked uh, because it meant that our like free day to go around Philly just got obliterated. God, Boo. that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Trains um, are usually on time. It's kind of a thing. Kind of, sort of. It was a whole ordeal, but it, uh, yeah, that was the least fun part of the weekend. But it was still a fun time. I enjoyed oh, myself. I would have raised packs. so much heck. Indeed, I would have raised well, there's heck. No, there's literally nothing that can be done about it. Yeah, you're um, stuck on a multi-ton thing. I'm on a tube. You're in a tube. Oh, <laughs> this would be let tube. me speak to your manager territory for Ryan. I'm a... <laughs> Uh, apparently, uh, well, okay. I, I I heard a couple people who were upset, and they have certainly had they certainly have that situation in hand. By basically, no one on that train has any degree of authority whatsoever to do anything to help you. Yep. 
um, like in that regard. Oh no, like, it, this would be letters to the manager. This would be like I'd well, be this making some phone tweets. calls. This is some tweets, mad tweets about Amtrak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just shit posting about Amtrak. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was a it was a fun weekend. Uh, I'm not certain if we'll ever go back or to another PAX, just because it is a considerable, uh, it's a considerable travel. Mm-hmm. Um, to go. Uh, and the uh, guys, uh, I heard tell basically they're how they decide where to do a PAX is one of the factors involved is they basically look for places that don't have anything like a PAX. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and Atlanta's and never going to happen. Atlanta's never going to get it because we have Dragon Con and Momocon and AWA and we have so many all, cons. Yep, we have so many conventions. We are well served. Uh, uh so boo. But boo, but, anyway, but we are well served. That means we get our own in- unique southern experience, as it were. Indeed, we Because isn't do. PAX South like in Texas or something? It's in Texas, yes. Why is everything um, in Texas? Because it's a very big state and probably certain <laughs> laws for uh, tax laws. <laughs> it's in Texas. Well, and it's also like kind of in the middle of the country. Mm. Um, fine. Then. Florida's a bit unique to get to because it only has a couple really big places you could put it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, no one wants to go to fucking Florida. Yeah, it's fucking Florida. It t- takes a while to get there. And I've been to Florida. State. I know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyways, let's get on to the main topic. Thank you very much, Scott, for sort of giving us the 411 sure. about PAX Absolutely. Unplugged. And I- now... Scott's going to talk some more. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, it's my episode. It's a yes. Scott episode, everyone. Yeah, so what we're talking about today uh, is in relation to the sort of the, the inaugural project that I'm working on for my studio, which is Simulacra Studios, uh, which is my role-playing entertainment uh, project. Uh, link to the Patreon in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta spam that link. Yep. Uh, but the first thing that I'm doing is a short run podcast uh, for Amber Diceless Role Playing, uh, which is a very old role playing game for a old fa- based on an old fantasy series of novels, which we've discussed previously on the podcast and and whatnot. But I, I we figure that it's time to really go deep into it and like kind of talk about it in in official terms. Yeah, this is something that Scott had to get me into. I had never heard of this. It's based on the books by, I believe, Robert Zelazny. Roger Zelazny. Yeah, Roger Zelazny. Um, that he, like, when we met in college, he started talking about Amber Diceless, and I was like, what's that? Well, before you can read and play in this game, you have to read these books. I cannot run this game until you read these books. And that's what we had to, we had to wait months for everyone to read the books, and then we got to actually mm-hmm. play the game. <laughs> Yeah, it's um because Amber like it's a series of five novels. They're very short, very quick reads, uh, which you know I I keep telling people that, and apparently they don't believe me. <sighs> oh, they are. I but anyway, them. yeah, they're very short. They're very good, um, and they're they're actually kind of foundational. Like even if you've never heard of or read Amber, if you're at all into fantasy or certain breeds of sci-fi, you have read something or watched something. That was influenced by Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those like kind of cornerstone series that um, a lot of people reference uh, for a lot of things. And the basic idea from the setting perspective is that our world uh, is one of an infinity of possible worlds. Um, and... They're known as shadows. They're called shadows because in the sort of platonic ideal, uh, they are reflections of the one true world, uh, which is the world of amber, uh, which is basically a pretty kind of your run of the mill fantasy, like yep. low fantasy set world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it serves as sort of the, the foundation, the anchor point. Uh, of universal order. And every world you could possibly imagine is some reflection or permutation or variation of some stage of amber in its history. Uh, and there is, you know, that there's, like I said, it's pretty, pretty fantasy world. There's a main city called the City of Amber. Um, there's a castle. 
there's a castle, uh, and being a fa- fantasy world, being a place with a castle, there is a royal family. Uh, and that royal family are the descendants of King Oberon, uh, who's this ancient, gray-beard, patriarchal, uh, you know, many wives, uh, you know, sort of, sort of Zeus prototype figure who for time immemorial has ruled over the city of Amber and over the world of Amber and over the infinity of shadows, uh, that, that, that come from Amber. Uh, and the blood of Oberon, the children of Oberon, uh, are the only ones who can walk something that is called the pattern, which is the symbol this sort of geometrical design that is inscribed on the floor of one of the rooms of the lower levels of the of the castle. And only the children of Oberon, only those of the blood of Amber, can walk this pattern. And by walking the pattern, they gain mastery over shadow. They can, through mental exercise and uh, physical movement, walk through the shadows, picking and choosing those elements of reality that they wish to add or subtract from the standard of Amber until they reach the world that is to their liking. Mm -hmm. So they can go anywhere that they can imagine Uh, any, any, you know, from, from the, from the weirdest sci-fi hellscape to the, the loftiest, you know, heavenly utopia, um, they can walk to their desires. And the, the children of Amber do that. They walk amongst the shadows and, and find their pleasures and their, and their trials and their tribulations, um, as they see fit. But they do so with the surety that wherever they go, it's not the real world. Yep. Um, and that fact drives them all to return home from time to time and drives them all to scheme and manipulate and compete to have greater standing and a greater chance uh, to win the throne of Amber, to become the king of the universe or queen of the universe. Because it has uh, metaphysical all, weight. Mm-hmm, because it's the only thing that matters. It's the only real thing. It's the only thing that you can't just twist or manipulate as you wish. It's the only place where the stakes are real. Only daddy can give it to you. Mm-hmm. Only daddy can give it to you, and only, well, only, well, daddy can die and maybe leave it to one of us. Or fake his own death, and he goes away to see who... Or fake shows. his own death, or whatnot. <laughs> and, and as, and, and long story short, uh, that succession, the, the, the time when Oberon apparently dies or disappears, there's not, it's not really sure what happens, uh, is sort of the subject of the first five books of the Chronicles of Amber. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, you have all of these children's, all of his children, the third, the nine princes of Amber and the four princesses of Amber, all jockeying and manipulating and fighting amongst themselves to win the throne and be crowned king and, and take over the universe. Uh, meanwhile, there's these incursions from Deep out in shadow that we don't exactly know what, at the start of the series, we're not exactly certain what's going on, but something outside of shadow is invading and interfering with the proceedings. Uh, and, you know, you find out, you know, there's some people are involved with this. Some people are, are guilty of some fairly dark and terrible crimes in relation to what happened to, to Oberon. And eventually everything sort of resolves itself and wraps it up. And one of them becomes king. Uh, and not who you expect. Sets, <laughs> not, it's not who you expect. And that is sort of sets the stage um, for a lot of what people then use Amber Diceless Roleplaying, which is a role-playing game designed by Eric Wujic that is a very faithful adaptation of these books. Basically, how do you, how do you role-play in this sort of infinite possibility settings where, you know, you have these archetypical demigods? Because that's another thing is that it's not just Amber that casts shadows. 
the children of Amber being more real than any anyone else in the universe cast shadows of themselves. Uh, so they sort of serve as these universal archetypes for you know all of the heroes and villains that exist in all of the, the the infinite shadows that exist. Um, so you can find a shadow of yourself or a shadow of your cousin or whatnot, and they won't be exactly the same because they're not truly of the blood of Amber, but they're close. It's a little weird. It's close. And, and, it's close enough. And Scott sort of alluded to, and this will get into the role playing game, is how the how the mechanics and everything are put together. Is and even in the book, Zelazny's like every one of the blood of Amber are superhuman. They are compared mm-hmm. to a normal human being here on Earth. They are exceptional beings. They can literally the weakest of them could, with a little bit of effort, they could pick up a car without mm-hmm. without much, or they can run. They can fight for literal days without much effort. Um, and they have just by wit of their mind and ability, they can potentially take over other people's faculties just by touching them because their minds are just so powerful. That that kind of Indeed. stuff. So these people are generally don't have much to fear or worry about when they peruse out in shadow, but it also becomes trivial. It becomes easy. It it's not satisfying. It does. I I will say though, it's something that's sort of pointed out. Um, in one of the books, is that even though they have this inherent superiority, um, the main character of the books, uh, called Corwin, uh, when someone pulls a gun or pulls a knife, he doesn't dismiss it. Mm. So you quit, you, you, you have a human body. Like you have a, you are a human and you can get stabbed real bad. Yep. If, if, if something goes wrong, whatnot. So you're not, you're not by any means immortal. Getting plugged still uh, hurts. Yeah, you're not invulnerable. Gideon. You're not a. You're not invulnerable. You're not Superman, but you so are you exceptional. Dis- you shouldn't discount danger if any of it comes from the shadows. You're more of a but- Captain America. Indeed. Well, I mean, they're dem- they're basically demigods, right? Uh, in in terms of power scale and whatnot, and uh, and they can achieve other powers uh, through their their understanding of shadow and understanding of pattern. And a whole slew and of other things, <laughs> and a slew of all slew of other things, forces and powers. Um, but basically, a lot of games start after the books, where this new status quo has been established, and a lot of people play children of the children of Oberon, the third uh, so generation, as the, it were. You know, the new generation uh, of of the of the family of Amber, uh, and that. That opens up all sorts of intrigues and, and, and all sorts of uh, machinations and fun, and things go from – basically start from that point. There's a second series of books, which are not as good as the first series of books. They're fun. They actually – like, they're actually pretty good up until, like, the last book when things just kind of go silly off the rails – but it is still fun anyway. So some people start after the after the first series of books. Some people start after the the, the second series of books. Other people just you know yep. do whatever they want with it. But it's it's a very interesting and as described, it's a setting in which you can literally do anything. Yep. Like you can go to any shadow that you want. You can bring in any sort of sci-fi, fantasy, you know, romance or or horror or anything that you want to bring in. You can just incorporate that. Anyway, but yeah, so that's the setting of Amber in a nutshell. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot of sort of philosophy and mythology. Uh, mythology. It's very it's very much a book about philosophy and mythology uh, and expect to play around with those kind of ideas. Um, but the system for Amber is probably one of the most unique uh strange um, and idiosyncratic role-playing systems that have come out for, I think, pretty much any any role-playing So game. this was, so giving you back a little bit of history, when Scott introduced me to this game, I had only ever played games like your standard D&D, White Wolf, Vampire, Werewolf, all those types of games. So you roll some dice, you have some stats, you do some stuff, right? He said, there are no dice. I'm like, how does it get adjudicated? How what what happens? He's like, no, there's just points and rankings, and the GM tells you what happens. And I'm like, that that doesn't compute in my tiny little college brain. Yeah, yeah, it broke it broke Matthew's head for a while, and it took a real long time for me to uh, convince him that this wasn't just uh, 
pointless faffery. It is still pointless um, faffery because that's all, all role playing is. But that's true. It is a specific type of pointless faffery, which indeed it. Yeah, is. the system is so. It's very bare bones. It's very bare bones. It's very basic. Indeed, it is. It 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 requires a lot of GM fiat um, to to run smoothly. Uh, because the basic system is you have four attributes, uh, psyche, uh, strength, endurance, and warfare, uh, which sort of cover your four main avenues of doing stuff. You know, psyche is your mind and your, and your, your sort of your magical potential. Um, strength is your physical capabilities, the, the, the your, your ability to take and deal damage, uh, as well as, you know, you know, hand to hand combat. Uh, endurance is just sort of your battery, like how long you can go, mm-hmm. uh, and how quickly you can regenerate damage. And warfare is your capacity to wield weapons, uh, and armies. Um, and whenever, uh, one of those comes into conflict with another, be it with an NPC or with a fellow PC, which this is a this is an assumed PvP on kind of game, mm-hmm. uh, where it's kind of assumed that you're going to be adversarial at the very least with your your fellow place players. But there are things which to discourage gonna, physical. There are death. some things to discourage, like actual killing people. But when you ever come into conflict, you compare the points. Of, you know, which care well, of character A and character B, and whoever has the higher point wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very simple. Like that is that is just how it. Ha- it's generally how it goes. Um, so what how it actually plays out is that the way you sort of, if you're running into a situation where you know that you are worse off than your opponent, you. It behooves you to role play and change the game, change the scenario, so that it is no longer your opponent's strengths that matter, but your strengths. Yep. So it's it's very very focused on narrative positioning um, for so to to put yourself in a situation where the things that you're good at are what's going to overcome the the, the current difficulty. Uh, and like Matthew said, it's incredibly bare bones. It requires a lot of GM fiat and a lot of. It's definitely not Babby's first role play. No. Uh, what did the what did the actual like stat numbers look like in terms of like a general range? Uh, general range, like from PC stats, you start out with a hundred points. Oh, I, okay, um, that's much higher than I thought. To distribute amongst everything, right? Uh, but uh, but well, to put that into a little bit of perspective. Your the your basic power pattern imprint the ability to walk among shadows costs fifty points. Oh well. So yeah. So really, you have at a minimum. You generally you you have fifty points so, to play. So around. twelve. The average is twelve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it depends on where. So everyone can start in just basic character creation. Everyone can start at just amber rank that has zero points. You are a basic. Level amberite, which mm-hmm. means you are better than better than the best human in any and in places of shadow. But if you go up against anyone with points in that trait, you're gonna lose because they are just mm-hmm. better. Where there are lower ranks than that called chaos, which are you are the best of all almost all humans, but an amberite's got you outclassed. And then there's human rank, which is well, you're a human. Congratulations. And you can basically sell down, uh, like you can you can sell. Uh... I believe you can go down to chaos rank for ten points, yep. and that gives you ten more points to play with. And then you can go to go down to human rank for another fifteen points, so twenty-five total. So you can, for a total of twenty-five points to play around with. But you're essentially and like it, it, that's your that, you're basically choosing your. So here's the most interesting part of character creation: you do it collectively. It is a actual mm-hmm. live. It should be done live auction between everyone. Yeah, so basically the, the, the GM says, all right, we're going to start with Psyche. Uh, and then everybody writes a number down uh, and hands it to the GM. And then GM says, like, okay, we've got the, the highest ranking bid is five for Psyche. And then if you want to be higher, if you, if you only spent two points in Psyche, you know that someone has beaten you. 
So you then start the bidding process. And uh, it's very important that in the bidding process for Amber, when you, when you bid it, you spend it. Like, that, that oh, is so sort of an you're absolute. Like, I spent, I'm going for six. You just, Okay, you got a six. It doesn't matter. You have a yep. six, you have spent yep. six Even if points. someone decides to beat you out, you have to spend yep. it. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So what it does is it establishes in the character creation system adversarial roles amongst the PCs. And it plays a trick of who knows what about what characters, because your character sheets... Nobody gets to see generally, depending on how you're pl- how the table is playing. But nobody mm-hmm. knows what you have or don't have. So let's say they did the I bid six points for Psyche, where it's the initial bid, and no one else bid. Nobody knows who bid that six in Psyche, unless somebody tried to say, "Oh, I bid seven. It's like, okay, we all know Mark over there for his character bid seven points. We know Mark's character is now in the lead for Psyche. Our characters and, know, know and- that." And this isn't, I don't think this is explicitly stated in the book, but the way I tend to run it is that the attribute auction is sort of, it represents, you know, a couple of decades worth of your characters knowing each other and sort of fighting it out and jockeying for position and say like, well, that's, I can't let that son of a bitch be better than me. So I'm going to go lift hard rocks. So yeah. For. If you uh, if you listen to the first episode of Amber, I believe I I think this is not for patrons. Mm-hmm. I think it's for uh, no, it, it's it's out for general consumption. The the first episode of um, the first episode of Throne of Amber, which is the Simulacra Studios podcast for Amber Dice's role playing, uh, we go through the attribute auction and a little bit of character generation, um, and you know so we map out character it's, relationships. It's fascinating because. I get in a spat with uh, Jaeger, one of the other players, over a couple chats, and it's quite mm-hmm. interesting how we how we duke it out and see who's got what. Which stat? Uh, endurance. That was the big one we, yeah, we were you, fighting over. You want you want you want to have the sickest gains, eh? Yeah. Well, endurance is. Oh wait, that's running. That's the running. Well, yeah. here's the kicker: <laughs> Amberites. If you have a high endurance. If you can, even Love if you're making. close, if you're close in stats, mm, yes. let's say our warfare is really close and we start fighting each other, generally know what's going to dictate that fight is not necessarily the end-all be-all of warfare, depending on how we narrate the fight. It will be endurance because we're going to fight yeah, because- for how long are we going to fight for? Yeah, so the person with a lower warfare stat can basically say, I'm going to fight defensively. Like, I'm not going to try and hurt him. I'm going to try and outlast him. So the GM basically has the responsibility of sort of arbitrarily keeping track of everyone's reserves of endurance. Such that when you have, say, a high endurance character, and they're basically trying to punch above their weight limit, they can, and if they if they fight smart, like say defensively or conservatively or or whatnot, they can they can hold on to their reserves of energy to the point where your opponent, who might be superior to you in psyche or strength or warfare, starts to get tired, and then that sort of leaves them open and vulnerable. Comes into play and creates an opening where an inferior character can overcome a superior character. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, it also, and in the books, because I don't mind spoiling the books a little bit, Corrin gets a devastating wound at one point, and he is one of the few individuals that does it remarkably quickly. He basically gets his eyes uh, removed. Burnt out. Uh, yeah, they're burnt out, and within four years, he regenerates his eyeballs. Um, but... It's it, whereas most amperites that would have never regenerated or may have taken decades. Or taken taken decades. Yeah. yeah. It's the idea and strength is a little bit like that too, in that it's physical damage as well as how much you physical can damage you can take. Um but it's also one of the few stats that if you get on a hold of someone, you win. You will if you're superior, you will win because there's no give or take when it comes to uh wrestling and martial arts when you're that close to people. I mean, Psyche, well, there, there's there's a play you can try and make with yep. that is like, oh, you have your hands on me. You're touching my skin. I vastly outnumber you with with uh, with Psyche. So you might break my arm, but then your mind is mine. Yeah. Um, there are a little, lot of little tricks. There are also other powers that you can purchase besides pattern. There's sorcery. There's power words. You can buy magic items. They have a very extensive mm-hmm. system for buying magic items, both sentient and non-sentient items, as well as 
like shadows, shadows that you call home, that you like hanging out in. They become part of your narrative. They become part of that you your have story. a certain degree of control. You can have a certain degree of control, sort of innate control over those shadows that can have like benefits, like they're guarded by supernatural creatures or they have sort of barriers to entry that you can control. Um, and it's, it's a very robust system that's built on a very skeletal, simple framework. Right. Well, shoot. Um, that sounds like fun. It it's does. Extremely it? narrative. I just don't. I, I I don't know if I have the. I I might. I might try to read the five books. I don't know. You really should. They're very short. You should. Uh, you should read Nine Princes of Amber. I I will. I got. I got the audio. Uh, I got all right. The audible credit. Audience. Okay, you got the audible credit, then yeah, you should totally get the audio. You use the audible credit for for Nine Princes and Amber. Um, I, I guarantee it's a it's it's a very quick listen. Uh, the, one of the guys from Battlestar Galactica voices the Corwin Saga, so it's fun. Yep, um, it's it's even if you get the physical copies and read them, they're super pulpy. That's what that's when it comes across as it's super pulpy. It's super adventure. You're going off and doing stuff. It get, it doesn't get super heady. Occasionally it does, but that's only because they're dealing with weird metaphysics. Mm-hmm. Dealing with quantum probability, basically. Um, and how they understand and relate to it because they're kind of the only real thing in the universe, but they're not. It's weird. Yeah. There's a lot more going on. Uh, so I, one thing I will say about the books is these are books that were written in the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, which means that uh, – well, I'll put it this way. The first book is called Nine Princes in Amber. Never mind the four princesses uh, of Amber. Nor to, never mind the four princesses of Amber is sort of the, the, no. uh, the sub. One of those isn't so, going to win. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you say that, but um, – I'm sure they put up a good show. It's nowhere near as bad as like the John Carter yeah. or – you know, uh, you know, sort of the the, the Robert Heinlein uh, treatment of females in in genre fiction. <laughs> nowhere near as bad. The the female characters in these books, um, for the most part, aren't useless paperweights. Um, uh, they kind of come off as that uh, early yeah, on. Yeah, very begin at, uh, at the beginning. At the very beginning, they kind of come off as as. Not not useless paperweights, but they're not, not not very well used. As the books go on, uh, one in particular gets shown to be the equal or better of any of the yep. boys. Um, they play a very large uh, part in the narrative as it goes. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to always understand you're looking at everything through Corwin's perspective. That's Indeed. and that's an interesting thing. I want to go back to the role playing book about mm-hmm. is because this is written by obviously not person who wrote Amber. Um, they're mm-hmm. interpreting Amber in a lot of many, many different ways of how to get those some of these ideas across with their own interpretations. And so, and so they, mm-hmm. in some respects, use a lot of quotes to sort of give you the highlight what you can do with certain powers and certain abilities and certain just concepts in the game to keep it open-ended so that you can interpret it. You have a much uh, wider palette to interpret what's going on. Um, yeah, that that is one of the, the benefits of um, the role playing game is that it does sort of open up the books a little bit more to give you a wider perspective than just Corwin. Yeah, um, because they give you but, a lot of different perspective. Um, like one of the good examples is they have a whole literally like pages and pages of just stats and um, personas of all the different Amberites that you can encounter, and they mm-hmm. give you at least four, three or four different how to use this character in this position. Like it, like how how to use them as a parent, how to use them as a villain, yep. how to use them as, as you know uh, this version of them or that version of them with this particular stat block at this power level. Yep. So yeah, it gives you a lot of good tools. But if if I were to give the books a critique, it's that the lady, the female characters, could stand to be better represented and be a better, bigger part of the story. Yep. But it's a lot better than than its fellows of the Scott. day. You know what you have to do, man. You have to write that. What do I have to you do? You have to write that third series, what? man. No, I really, really no. don't. You uh, do it, Scott. You, you know how I do that? Is I run Amber. Yeah. Games. Uh, I mean, I uh, I and, got fell in love with the mystique of one of the female characters. That's why she's my character's um, uh, my character's uh, mother is Deidre, and that mm-hmm. is the cousin of Corwin. And I nope, she's a sister. sister. Sorry, not cousin. Sister. I, I believe I have a friend named Deirdre who is named after that character. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, Justin, that's I awesome. believe you have met uh, her I, at some point. Maybe. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure because she did tell me that her dad named her after a character in a fantasy novel that he really, really liked. That's probably it. So I'm going to take that's a shot. Probably it. Is it D I R D R E? Yes. Okay, yep. yeah, that's her. <laughs> yep. D R D R. There's, um, uh, there's Corwin, there's uh, Edgar, there's uh, Julian. Ed, uh, no, there's. Ed, Edgar is not a character. Um, uh, Eric. Oh, Eric. And then there's a there's a one of the <laughs> uh, sons. I forgot. Edgar. <laughs> yeah. One one Sorry. one of my friends had twin boys, and he named them he named them Eric and Corwin. Oh no. <laughs> no yeah, I know. No. <laughs> um, you know, I will uh, say Eric's funny. gonna do okay. Corwin might have a hard time. Maybe. I mean, they just call him Corey. Yeah. Perfect. He's uh, safe. Um, it's it's very interesting how they introduced the in the books of Corwin because they definitely he wrote them specifically. You are POV. You know nothing. So we can take the reader on this yeah, ride. The Cor- Corwin, the, the Corwin, the main character starts the starts the story with amnesia, um, and he slowly unlocks his memory. So as you as you the reader are finding things out. Corwin, the character, is finding things out, and and it, eventually it reaches the point where he gets all his memory back, and then he starts sort of explaining things to us. The uh, because the the conceit of the book is that uh, Corwin is telling someone uh, and who he is the story of how he regained his memory and returned to Amber in the midst of all of this succession chaos. Yeah. Um, so he, he's basically telling him this, telling this person this story basically at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, all of this stuff very immediately has just wrapped up. Yep. Um, and it's a very interesting framing device. And you certainly get the, the sensation that Corwin is by no means a reliable narrator. Yeah, he's telling everything from, uh, from how he sees and views the universe. So things may be different, and you never. Some of the big things that are happening in the book um, are never explained. He doesn't know the answer to the question. Things go on behind the scenes without his knowledge at all. And then he only gets second or third hand explanations from his brothers and sisters, who may or may not be telling him so the no entire truth. So no one just truth. stands there and exposits at him the whole mm-hmm. time. No. Nope. I mean, there, there's some of that, but it's... Uh, they might just be bullshitting him. They might be bullshitting. And you cannot tell because that's that's uh, one, of, one of the sort of the family games that they play because it's... <laughs> let's fuck with Corwin? They, they, well, no, it's not let's fuck with Corwin, <laughs> let's, let's fuck with everyone, uh, is that um, it, it's sort of this informal game that they play one another, like catching someone in a lie like in an absolute lie is like ah i got gotcha. you like that's one of the things that they acknowledge is something that you shouldn't do because it's cheating uh, everyone's yeah. loki everyone's, everyone's loki, loki. Uh, you and, got me. and uh, <laughs> and the the other way they the the other method that they keep track they basically keep score on one another is apologies who's apologized to who like who's apologized to who for what? The the phrase that gets sort of pulled out a lot is it's possible that I might owe you an apology. <laughs> yeah, um, because here's the kicker: they 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 can only re- there are things out in shadow and other unknown things that challenge them. So occasionally they need help, which means they also mm-hmm. owe favors to one another. Basically, because they have a magical ability with basically a tarot deck. It's not really tarot; they call it a trump deck. That's such not a good yeah, word. Yeah, trust me, that that terminology has become uh, a twinge every yeah, time it, I say it. It's when called I run a Trump deck, and yeah, yeah, yeah uh, it taints everything. Uh, it basically it's a picture uh, of it's a magical picture of the person, and by using it and touching it, if if you are sufficiently high in psyche, you can connect with that person wherever they are normally and have a conversation with them. And you can also transport yourself you can either pull them to where you are or they can pull you to where they are so it's communication and transport it's essentially like a fantasy mega cell yeah and and Um, it's very useful but it also can get you in a lot of trouble because you're in direct mental contact with one another which means if somebody is sufficiently powerful enough they can fuck with you and you don't know mm -hmm. who's calling by the way there's no caller id not necessarily you don't don't necessarily know who's calling um (laughs) But yeah, so it's 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 a very obscure, very niche game uh, that it's one of those things of 
you should really read the books. Yep. Like it, it's one of those one of those things that that the game does not make a lot of sense unless you've read the books and sort of have bought into what's going on because it you are a part of a grand story when you play this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to. It's very good idea to sort of know what has come before because it's one of the, it's it's very interesting because it's a it's a game that has an almost a set cast of characters. Like the NPCs in a, in an Amber game are going to be at least in part the characters from these novels, and they're all very big, larger than life, archetypical characters that can be played in any any variable amount of ways, um, and are you know they they tend to be a lot older than you, a lot smarter than you, a lot more have a lot more experience and have a lot more tricks up their sleeve. One of the bits of GM advice that they have for playing the Elder Amberites is what the what the children of Oberon are called in the context of the the, the game is just cheat. Yep. Like if there's if there is no logical way for an elder to like know something or have something, cheat and yes they did. Yeah. Because they're that smart and they're and that so good. So the big emphasis you may think, well, why why am I here? They're just gonna win at everything, et cetera, and so forth. It's like, no, not necessarily, because your actions, your decisions, your choices still very much matter mm-hmm. in the game. And you can outwit, outthink, and out and be creative. Literally, be the player mm-hmm. be creative enough so that their their character is able to do and get things into the right position to set up dominoes to make them fall down, and you get to win. You can win at something that you normally mm-hmm. you would not straight up and down would be able to. And one of the things that the game does really well, and the store and the setting does really well, is that it is one of the very few games that I think plays with the concept of family. Mm-hmm in a very foundational way. Um, because these people, your aunts, your uncles, your, your mothers and your, your cousins and siblings, they are a, they are a very exclusive club. They are the handful of beings in infinite shadow that understand what it is to be like you. Because you are a very different creature than the infinity of shadows out there. You may look like the most, of the sh- a lot of, you may share a lot of, you know, base. If, if you're in a, in a world with humans, you may look like them. You may talk like them. You may be able, may able to, to, to relate to them on a very basic level, but no one out in shadow knows what it's like to walk the infinity of shadows to, to, to find the world of your perfect desire, uh, to be able to, to best, but your family does. Your family. No understands one understands that. the and rigor may- it takes to walk the pattern itself because it's literally described as one of the most laborious tasks you will ever do in your life. Yeah. Is even if you are of the blood of amber, it can kill mm. you. Um, it it will instantly kill you if you are not of the blood of amber. Um, which is you know that's that's a thing that you have to kind of play be very careful with. Uh. Uh, when when dealing with people not of the blood of a oh man we pattern. almost we, you guys should really listen to this episode things are going to come up and that that comes up multiple times of we may somebody we may start sticking our fingers in light sockets and it won't end well yeah. for us well I put I put a very valuable MacGuffin in a place that is very inaccessible <laughs> uh, which uh, is uh, is to the consternation of many a PC <laughs> but I have a reason for it yeah I'm sure you do. Um, uh, it plays with family, uh, so you know it. it um, I have known games that sort of dabble in the the idea that you know you can't really relate to anybody but your family, and that can lead to interesting relations with cousins and aunts and uncles and the like, because they're all the only people who understand you. Kind of like where. It's kind of like werewolf in that that capacity, yep. where you know and only Garou really understand fellow Garou, mm-hmm. and yet they're they're they cannot ever form like the bond of true love with one another, uh, because that's gross and weird. But it's fun. Yeah, and uh, so I definitely recommend. It. I like it because what I love about the books and then got translated to the game is the idea of. Even though you're very powerful, you're very capable, you have infinite time and infinite mm-hmm. skills to develop in all this, you don't know everything. You There's still a deep sense of mystery in everything that happens in this 
in this universe of that quickly found out in the books is what are you talking about there there's something else something out that there. wasn't us. I didn't think there was anything else out there and there but turns out something wasn't us but seems to be like us and and that's what I like about it is that there is a lot of questions that do not have answers mm-hmm. that you can use for infinite fodder in your game that you can just explore and do stuff with and there is nobody who can pull up a book nope. and go see right here this is the explanation it's like no that's that's what Corwin it's told like, you it's like no it doesn't matter it's interpretation or that's what that's what Deirdre told you or that's what Fiona told you like there's a great great breakdown of like the big bad and I won't go into who the big bad is but the big bad but in the RPG they're like was he the bad guy question mark what was he doing behind the scenes that Corrin doesn't know about? Maybe he was doing some. Maybe he was doing bad things for what he thought were good reasons, or maybe he was just crazy. You don't know. He was just doing things, and you, as the GM and players, get to explore: is that right? Is that wrong? And where it goes from there. But yeah, no. Oh yeah, that, that was another thing: is that um, if the diceless version of the game isn't to your liking, I keep hearing a rumor. That when Houses of the Blooded version two gets its Kickstarter, that one of the stretch go- stretch goals is going to be John Wick's version of the Amber role playing game, based off of the Houses of the Blooded rules, which I am uh, so eager to see. Hashtag Wick. I would love to see a dice based version of this game. Mm-hmm. I have grown to enjoy the diceless version, but I would really like to see how you break it down from a mechanical point of view because I like the idea of being able mm-hmm. to punch up, get lucky, and get punch up your weight class from time to time uh, without having to like play weird mental mind games with your GM. Oh, but that's what's fun about it. <laughs> that's no, true. because you're always um, in the place of pirate because you're always running. You're never playing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a fun game. It's absolutely <laughs> worth checking out. Um, I believe you can get. I, I believe it's very difficult to find physical copies of the books now, uh, yeah, because they're very old. They're the yeah, they're very old. They're very out of yeah, print. Yeah, it's very old. It was like making um, the eighties. The license to produce the books have gotten bounced around a couple of times. Uh, they're relatively cheap on Audible. Yeah, well, uh, well, I'm talking about the role playing book. Uh, oh, the actual the, the actual books. Geez. Yeah, you can get them for cheap on Audible or or Amazon. There's a there's a collection called the Great Book of Amber. Uh, that has all ten ten novels. It's a very big, big ass. Yep, it's like thirty books at most, and it's got all the books in there. Um, I actually have it. If you want the physical copy, I'll give it to you. I'll let you have it and you read it. I can't read physical books right now. Okay, um, but anyways, um, the RPG you can find it. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna give yeah. you links. Well, but you no, can it's find on. It. It's on. Jared, it's you can just get off drive through RPG. Oh, is it on drive through? Okay, uh, I'll link can, it. You there. can buy the PDF for a reasonable reasonable cost. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you can't find the physical copies. But before you uh, read those, that, you should definitely read the books. You should absolutely read the books before diving into the into the role playing book because it is, it's like I said, it's it's telling a very particular story, and knowledge of the books is pretty vital to to being a part of that story. So Scott, where can people find Simulacra Studios and Throne of Amber and all that hoo ha so they can start diving into Amber? Well, uh, you can look at it on my page. Like the, the, the biggest jumping art point that I want to direct people to is my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Simulacra Studios. And that's where, you know, you're going to be able to find, uh, information and whatnot. And if you become a patron, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, if you just want to go for the podcast, I believe it's simulacrastudios.podbean.com. And there'll be links in the description for yep. you to go to. Uh, and it's available on any podcatcher that you could possibly use. I've got it on iTunes, on Spotify, Google google thing so it's it's out there you just have to search for simulacra studios um and coming up very soon uh i have character creation this wednesday as of the recording of this podcast uh my my campaign of vampire the masquerade fifth edition uh is going to be making its way onto that patreon and the podcast and my youtube and my twitch channel and that one i get to actually watch on the as a patron because i'm a patron but i'm trying to keep away from all the amber stuff because that's back end information i really shouldn't know well you'll be able you 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 won't need to be a patron to all all of all of the simulacra studios content is um the core content the actual role playing campaigns is going to be freely available um so 
like uh, you'll be able to watch it on Twitch. You'll be able to get the videos on YouTube. Uh, you'll be able to listen to the podcast version for stuff like the podcast. I, I basically release stuff like a week early um, for, for, for patrons. Uh, but what you get as a patron is you get a lot of, like I said, behind the scenes, like you'll get character sheets, you'll get character backstories, uh, previews of some art that uh, I'm, I'm working on getting into the, to the campaign. Uh, as well as like you, if at certain levels of patronage, you get to submit NPCs that I will work into the various campaigns. Um, and there's, there's other higher level stuff. Like I'll run a monthly game, uh, eventually for, you know, $10 patrons. Uh, and if you want to give me a hundred dollars a week, uh, a hundred dollars a month, I will, I will just straight up run a game for you. <laughs> like I'll be your GM online and it'll be basically whatever you want. Uh, because, Hey, that's a hundred dollars a month and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sneeze at that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, but yeah, check that out. Check out the links in the description. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming out under that brand, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to getting out to y'all yep. and we'll talk about it probably pretty regularly on here as well yeah we will especially as new content and new stuff comes comes to light um also before we get out of here because we are wrapping things up i wanted because i didn't do this last time and i want to make sure i do it this time is we have two new patrons that i need to shout out and i really appreciate Yay. them one is the first one was colin i shouted you out in the patron content last time but i wanted to make sure to get on the main show so thank you very much for becoming a patron hello and we just got a new one the other day uh uh belinda 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 probably b-e-linda so Linda um, became a patron, so thank you very much. Hi, Belinda. I hope you thank enjoy. You, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Definitely do enjoy that new content. I'm slowly but surely, obviously grinding through Aeon. It's great fun. We are, as of this recording, in a, this next upcoming weekend, we're going to be doing our session zero for my Polyhedron Flays Vampire Fifth Edition uh, game. You yeah. will all know the terror. Of Reggie, <laughs> the very polite Nosferatu <laughs> IT guy. <laughs> he is tech support. I am uh, every conservative's uh, nightmare uh, of a Tremere. <laughs> uh, I run a basically a, a, a you know uh, you know I run a progressive blood witch coven. Uh, yep, it, it's delightful. Um, and it, and the great thing about this, this isn't Atlanta. This isn't even in Savannah. This is an Augusta, everyone. Augusta by night, baby. It's called Augusta by night. Everyone, get excited. Hope you like trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and Hope not you like much. trucks and RVs. <laughs> and, and no and notable skyline. No features. Simmering racism. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's it, nothing. There's really just nothing there. Yeah, it's going to be excellent, fun. I can't wait till we start putting everything together because this is going to get silly. Silly, good, and in, in a dark, spooky way. But... I think uh, we've talked a lot about Amber. We've talked about all the things we're doing. So I think it's time to go. So from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice or not. Hey, Matthew here. I just wanted to let you know, if you want to give feedback to Polyhedron, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the show's Twitter handle at polyhedroncast. Uh, if you'd really like to help us out, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash polyhedron. Uh, give us a buck a month and become one of our bosses and really support the show. And if you're looking to get in touch with us on Twitter, you can find Matthew at BioImportance. You can find Scott at DivisMallCav. And you can find Ryan at Arduous. If you want to spell it R-J-U-O-U-S. And finally, just so we can wrap it up here, if you are listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere, give us a five-star review. It really helps our exposure. All right. Thanks, guys. A fun exercise is to type your name plus the hedgehog into a Google search and then going to the image search to see what comes up.